Hi there, this is Mark Dean. Welcome to this podcast on caring for carers. This podcast is part of the Back to Business series for Cisco employees returning from parental, long-term or medical or personal leave or any other extended period of absence from the business. Today we're talking about balancing life and its many facets, which can be challenging, but of course, if you're in a carer's role as well, then it can be additionally challenging. The demands of meeting carer responsibilities and coupling that with life's everyday challenges, including work, can be quite taxing on our physical and emotional energy level. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Helena Quo. Helena is a qualified nurse and a mental health expert, and she has taught thousands of workshops on mental health and well-being and helping people to achieve balance in their lives, including when it comes to diversity and inclusion. So Helena has some great life experience as well that will help guide this conversation around looking after yourself as a carer. So welcome, Helena. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome, Mark. Lovely to join you today. What are some of the key elements to self-care that as carers we may let slide from time to time? Mark, it's things like exercise, eating well, sleep is often another thing that goes. So what are some of the signs you might be experiencing if you're getting a bit run down? So if you are getting a bit run down as a carer, some of the signs that you would see in yourself or experience would be things like um, some irritability, having difficulty in concentrating, sometimes making decisions, particularly at work, because we do know that carers will be balancing a lot of different things. It might be even at times that you feel really teary. And so they might be some of the early warning signs that carers will experience when they are becoming run down. These are some really important signs. Would you notice similar things if you're looking at one of your colleagues or someone you care about who's in a carer role? What else might you notice perhaps in someone else? Yes, so at work, Mark, what you might commonly see in a colleague who is a carer and they are becoming run down, you might notice that they're starting to withdraw a bit from the team. They might not want to join you for coffee, for example, or if you have lunch on a regular basis, they might just say, look, no thanks, I'm just going to have lunch at my desk. So withdrawal is a really, really common early warning sign. We might even see increase in absenteeism, lack of focus on the job, people losing motivation and engagement. So there's some of the things as a colleague that you actually might identify in another person who you work with who is a carer. Because certainly some of the stresses that will impact on a carer will have the same impact in terms of their mental well-being as if they were dealing with some other stressor in their life or anxiety depending on what is happening with them at that time. Thank you. So what about this topic of self-compassion? It seems to me something that we often underdo and it's a bit of a buzzword lately, isn't it? It is, Mark, and it's interesting. There is quite a body of research now in relation to self-compassion, particularly in relation to mental wellbeing and also for carers. And what we often find is that carers will frequently undervalue their contribution that they are making to the person that they are caring for and can be very, very hard on themselves. For example, there can be some self-talk such as, oh, look, I should have been able to attend my kid's sports day, but I need to take my mother to the doctor. And so in relation to self-compassion for carers, it's really about being a little bit kinder to themselves, similar to how you might be kind to a friend who you're talking to who might be being hard on themselves. So just a few really easy gestures that you can do. And one really is just to take a deep breath, Put your hand on your heart and just let it 
rest there for a minute just be still and be in the moment that can be one gesture of self-compassion another one can be to just gently cup your face in your hands and this sense of physical touch will help activate our parasympathetic nervous system which is responsible for reducing our stress hormones so we actually have reduced anxiety reduced levels of stress when we do that, when we have that physical touch with some gentleness about us. And so they're two very simple things that we can do as a gesture of self-compassion. Loneliness is a big issue, isn't it? Could you just talk to us a little bit about tackling loneliness if that does become an issue and the importance of getting some social support? Yeah, so it can be a very isolating experience being a carer. And I think you might have mentioned at the beginning, Mark, that carers often have more than one caring responsibility. So it might be that you are a parent, so you've got young children, you've got your partner, and you might be caring for perhaps a another child who is disabled or it might be an aging parent and with all of those responsibilities it's very very time consuming and carers can really focus on their caring responsibilities and isolate themselves from friends and some other things outside of that immediate family life and caring life and so we do know that people who have supportive friendships supportive positive relationships fare a lot better and if you isolate yourselves away from those people who are your friends and not nurture those relationships it can have a negative impact on our mental well-being. So what are some of the tips you would provide for someone who's feeling a bit isolated and perhaps they're having extended periods away from work where they might have some great supportive relationships normally what other tips could you suggest to help carers to reconnect and stay in touch with their positive social networks? I think one of the first things is really to recognise when that is happening for you. So just to really reflect and go, well, when was the last time I connected with my friends or my work colleagues or went out for a coffee with my friends? So the first thing I think really is a high level of self-awareness. And then after that, maybe even putting in place a goal for yourself and say, okay, well, this week I'm going to ring my friend Sarah or whoever it is. I'm going to make a time to have lunch, coffee with her just so that you have that goal, you set that goal for yourself and hold yourself accountable to that. Certainly in a work context, if carers are also at work, colleagues can reach out as well and can be very comforting in terms of just going up to that person and saying, hey, Helena, look, I've noticed that you haven't been coming out with us lately for coffee or for lunch. You might not get them to agree to come out with you straight away, but they might reflect on that overnight and go, okay, well, look, I haven't been going out with my work colleagues for a coffee. I should do that. That would be a nice thing to do. So... Um, one, for yourself, having that level of self-awareness. And two, if you are a colleague, actually purposefully reaching out to that person. And would you suggest perhaps if someone is going on carer's leave or they're taking some flexible working arrangements to ramp up for a period of time their, their carer focus, that as a colleague you might perhaps ask the question, listen, while you're not here, how would you feel about me reaching out to you? Is that okay with you? I just want to check in. And So would that be a good idea? Absolutely. And we certainly do know that the longer people are away from work, the more disconnected they feel. And sometimes the harder it is for them to actually come back to work. So to retain that connection with colleagues 
while someone is, is on leave is incredibly important, very powerful and um, very good for both the colleague and for the carer. So sometimes people do have these carer responsibilities and they might have acknowledged them, they might not. And we often think about these as some of those hidden factors where you just don't really know exactly what's going on in everyone's lives all the time. There could be a number of reasons for that. One of them could be fear of stigma around being perceived to be someone who won't be available or ready all the time. And certainly we know at Cisco, part of the Back to Business program is about helping people to feel safe, about coming forward when they have additional responsibilities and need some flexibility. So hopefully that will help along the way. And then there can be some personal idiosyncrasies as well, like people being a bit more introverted or perhaps they like to keep a big part of their lives quite private and that can be for a number of reasons. So it's worth just bearing in mind that sometimes there are these hidden carer responsibilities and we want to respect people's boundaries while letting people know very broadly that it's okay to come forward and ask for flexibility and we do care about you. Could we talk about this topic now, Helena, of meaning or purpose in what you do? It seems to me that often we find that we understate or underrate importance and meaning and purpose in what we do as carers for our families at work and also in society. Yes uh, and meaning and purpose is a really wonderful thing for us to have in our lives particularly from a mental well-being perspective and we do know that people who do have high levels of meaning and purpose in their lives tend to be much more resilient as well. So it can sometimes be a a double-edged sword if you like but they can have very high levels of meaning and purpose caring for their loved one but on the other side as well sometimes it can feel from the carer's perspective that they're the ones giving out all of the time and not getting a lot back and I think to bring it back to them recognizing and identifying the meaning and purpose in their life is really really important. One of the other things that we do know in relation to finding meaning and purpose in our lives is that people who know what their strengths are and they utilize their strengths tend to have higher levels of meaning and purpose as well. Are there any quick tips that you could share on how to find out more about what are my strengths and how would I play to them a little bit more consciously each day? Yes, Um, so there are a couple of ways that you can certainly identify your strengths. If you are interested in doing a survey, there is a fabulous online survey. It is called the VIA Character Strengths Survey. You can just type that into Google, VIA Character Strengths. The survey will take around about 10, maybe 15 minutes to complete. And then at the end of that survey, you will be emailed your own personal feedback report, which will identify your 24 strengths. And the top five of those 24 strengths are your signature strengths. And if you can find ways to utilize those strengths, you will find more meaning and purpose in your life. So that's one way in identifying your strengths. It's a free online test for that initial report. It sounds to me like this may be a good pathway too to help build confidence that I can overcome challenges if I'm aware of what my strengths are. It is a fair assumption and also when we use our strengths we also tend to find that tasks or challenges come to us 
much more easily, that we enjoy doing that particular thing a lot more than when we're not using our strengths. So absolutely, it's really quite twofold in that sense. Quite a great confidence builder then. Definitely, yeah. What about the impacts of our thoughts? Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I might be struggling with a whole lot of work challenges and balancing competing time interests and being a carer. And some days, you know, when you're tired in particular, you have these thoughts, don't you? Like, I just can't do this or it's all going to go horribly wrong. Can you tell us a little bit about what sorts of advice you would have for somebody who's experiencing some of those challenging thoughts and maybe how they might deal with them? So it can be easy for us to be quite negative and as we know we do have a propensity to have more negative thoughts than more positive thoughts. And so once again when particularly when we're under a lot of pressure we might not have had a good night's sleep, we've got responsibilities at work, we've got responsibilities at home and certainly our carer's responsibility. It can be quite easy for us to get into this negative thought pattern. There are some simple tips. The first one is recognize when you are having a negative thought and ask yourself two sort of key questions about that thought. First question is is that thought helpful? And the second one is, is that thought really accurate or realistic? And oftentimes it's neither of those. One way in which we can start to counter these negative thoughts is to do a slight reframe to make that thought a little bit more helpful and more realistic. And if we can do that, we'll often find that we feel a lot calmer, our stress levels go down and we have a high level of confidence in whatever else is left that we need to do for the day. So just by way of an example, if I were to say, how am I going to get through this week? It's just impossible. So that's absolutely an unhelpful and probably unrealistic thought. And in relation to that thought, I'd be suggesting that perhaps you just break that down. So let's focus on one day at a time. So today I might have to take dad to the hospital. So that's okay. I'm going to take dad at 10 o'clock and we might be back by 12 o'clock. I'm going to let work know that I'm going to be in a little bit late today. And if I plan to do that ahead of time, then we've focused on that one piece for the week we've just focused on that one day people will often feel a lot calmer about that and everything won't go horribly wrong even though sometimes when we've got lots on our plate we do feel that way interesting so we might look at evidence from the past and say well I've gotten through these things before and it hasn't all gone horribly wrong sounds to me like you're also saying um, schedule it out. What about making some time for some self-care in there, even if it's, say, 20 minutes for a walk or some meditation? Any suggestions there? There are some three key areas, really, that we do need to focus on. The first thing I would suggest is to do some exercise most days of the week. And if you can do some exercise five days of the week, fantastic. Get outside, go for a walk, take your dog for a walk, whatever it is, it might be that you want to go to the gym, fantastic. Um, but some exercise is really, really important. The other one is having a reasonably healthy diet, really important. Okay, I'm going to have takeaway on Friday night because I'm really too tired to cook dinner. That's fine. But again, most days of the week have a healthy diet. And then yes, you can have a treat on the weekend or on Friday night or, or whenever you feel that, you know, you might feel like not cooking. 
And the other one is sleep. I often say sleep really is the foundation of good mental well-being. We do know that we need now, most of us actually need between seven and nine hours sleep per night. There might be some times when we can cope on less than that, but not over the long term. So try and go to bed at a similar time every night and get up at a similar time in the morning. That will actually help to regulate our circadian rhythm and regulate our sleep cycle. So the more that we can get into that sleep routine, uh, the better for us. And if we can do those things, those three things, sleep, nutrition, and exercise, will fare much, much better. And what about the benefits of uh, mindfulness or perhaps other forms of meditation or yoga? Mindfulness can be a really great way to reset, to feel more calm, to be less stressed. Um, doesn't have to be mindfulness, but meditation, any kind of meditation that you like. There are a lot of apps out there that are great that will take you through a guided meditation. If you don't like one type of meditation, don't give up. Just try another one. Another one actually might suit you. And part of the benefit of meditation is it actually gets you into a very focused state. So just being very focused on one thing is very, very restful for our brain. That's one of the reasons why mindfulness can be very, very good for us. The other practice, Mark, that you spoke about was yoga. Yoga can be quite mindful in the sense that you are focusing on one thing, on one particular pose. And certainly at the end of a lot of yoga practice, there is a quiet meditation practice as well. Those practices are really great to help calm our mind. The other thing that these practices do is help to reduce our levels of cortisol, and adrenaline and these are our stress hormones. We also know that practicing gratitude and recognizing the things that are going well goes a long way towards dealing with stress. There was some really interesting research in some hospitals for patients who had chronic pain and the patients who kept a gratitude journal actually had a reduction in their pain by 16% relative to the other group who didn't have a gratitude journal. When we're practicing gratitude, it may be helpful also to focus on the fact that we're actually contributing something amazing to our families and the people we love and to the community by taking on this carer role. So for those of you listening, who are taking on or have a carer's role, don't forget to practice some self-gratitude and to understand that you are performing a really important role for the community and for your loved ones. So setting up some goals, strategies and actions is a great way to ensure that you're actually focusing on your accomplishments. So even if you haven't done this, but you are looking backwards over the last few days, make a list of the things that you have achieved and then tick the boxes because that can be very affirming. You're actually getting a lot done. For your own health plan, it can be helpful to set up some goals like over the course of the next week, I'm going to do something around exercise, nutrition, sleep, perhaps some meditation. What's the strategy? I'll make a list of the things that I want to do and I'll look at my calendar and the action is I'm going to schedule it in and I'm not available for everything else. One of the most important things is to be a really good carer, you need to be really good at looking after yourself. Do remember that HR at Cisco is there to support you. Talk to your manager and colleagues. And also there's the Employee Assistance Program. If you do have any concerns about your own health and well-being, it's very important you seek professional advice. 
So talk to your GP or another qualified health professional for any advice that you feel might benefit you in your journey. Thank you all for listening today and thanks once again to our guest Helena Kuo. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Bye for now. Bye.